0: satin here back with another raw roundup lots to discuss this week we got the fallout to austin theory unsuccessfully cashing in his money in the bank we got most of the women's war games match locked down we got a lot going on here we got a main event with seth rollins and finn balor lots to dig into here So I want to make sure we have time for all of it. I say that like I have a time limit. There's no time limit here. I can literally talk as long as I want. I can talk down here for three hours if I want. It's my podcast feed. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm excited to talk about all of this. Also, don't forget this Wednesday on Out of Character in this podcast feed, but also on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. We got Top Dollar on the show. Fun conversation with Top Dollar from Hit Row. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Even my non-wrestling fan uh, fans on, on the staff who've listened to it have told me that they enjoyed it. So I think you guys will enjoy it, too. Obviously, we talk about his exit from WWE when he got released last year, his comeback, and everything in between him as a person and so much more. So make sure you guys check that out this Wednesday in this podcast feed or on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel if you want to watch it on video. Now let's get to Monday Night Raw. Let's just dig right into everything that happened by talking about the start of the show. And of course, this week's show started with Seth Rollins out first as the as the announced team recaps the chaotic ending to last week's Raw with Austin Theory unsuccessfully cashing in. Seth talks about this a little as well. And the crowd starts chanting, that was stupid. (laughs) Rollins says Theory will likely be out later, and they can tell him to his face. Rollins says something has felt different, though, about the U.S. title since it came into his possession, and it's the fact that he's made it the top belt on the show. Lashley interrupts Seth after this, saying those beatings are going to continue like the one he got last week until he gets his title back, but then these two are both interrupted by Mustafa Ali. Lashley warns him that last week's beatdown will pale in comparison to the one he'll get tonight if he doesn't walk away, but Ali does not walk away. He runs into the ring instead and a brawl breaks out between them. Once again, Seth walks off and Lashley challenges Mustafa Ali to a match. The match was quick. Bobby Lashley versus Mustafa Ali, and Lashley dominated most of the match, but Ali looked valiant in defeat by refusing to give up and eventually passing out in the hurt lock. Not tapping out, passing out. So let's talk about all of this. I broke all that down. Told you all what happened in case you didn't watch it. I'm sure you all did. But those are those were kind of the bullet points of what we had going on here. First, let's talk about Mustafa Ali. I'm not sure what's going on here with Mustafa Ali. Yes, they're doing a good job of showing that he is not someone who gives up. Mustafa Ali is not backing down from anyone. He's fighting. He is not taking no for an answer Doesn't care if he's getting tossed over production boxes backstage. Doesn't care if he's getting the crap kicked out of him by Seth Rollins or Bobby Lashley. He is he's continuing to come back to keep fighting to do his thing. But I'm torn. I I I gotta say I'm a little torn because he keeps kind of like kind of keeps getting his ass kicked. He kind of keeps getting his ass kicked. However, you know, one of my all-time favorite ECW wrestlers... Yeah, I'm old. If you're younger and you're listening to this, I'm sorry. But one of my favorite ECW wrestlers was Spike Dudley. I loved Spike Dudley for a few reasons. The first, though, the first reason was without question... Because that man would not refuse to give up. He would just get the crap kicked out of him by people. But he would always live to fight another day. And not only just live to fight another day, he was excited to live to fight another day. He was pumped to get back in there, get bloody again go against guys like Bam Bam Bigelow, Mike Awesome, just guys that were so much bigger than him, and he would just take that punishment and take that punishment and take that punishment and take that punishment, punishment. but he always lived to fight another day. He also had a really cool finishing move and was very... uh, uh, He had a cool finishing move and just did cool stuff in matches. I was always a fan of of his... Acid drop, the deadly Dog, whatever you want to call it. Always a fan of it. So, I was thinking about that while watching Mustafa Ali. And even though he's kind of getting his ass handed to him a bunch, the fact that he keeps fighting back does make you want to root for the guy. It does make you want to see him eventually win. My only confusion in all of this is that... it. So it feels like Seth Rollins is turning face. I guess, you know, I take that back. I guess he's kind of still in the middle. I guess we're going to call Seth Rollins a tweener right now because I was going to say it felt like he was leading towards a feud with Seth Rollins, and he still kind of is. But it's like Seth Rollins adjacent at this point. He's kind of, I mean, it's just kind of like to the side because right now it's kind of with Bobby Lashley. His beef now is kind of... Moved back to Lashley. It's a little all over the place as to where his beef actually is. That's my only criticism here, is that, like, we still haven't gotten the resolution of the Seth Rollins thing, and now Seth Rollins already kind of feels like he's turning into a face, and I'm wondering where that leaves the Mustafa Ali stuff that, that had been started. However, with Lashley and Mustafa Ali, I like it. Like, you know, Mustafa Ali not giving up, and Lashley just pissed clearly feels like this is all leaning towards the hurt business somehow reforming we got Shelton Benjamin on the show later again which we'll talk about you know we've got Bobby Lashley it's like people wanting respect again both guys wanting respect again and so I think where all this Bobby Lashley stuff going is a is a reformation of the hurt business he's pissed he wants that respect. So I got no problem with what's going on with with him right now. I think it's actually I think it's actually the perfect thing for him in this moment. That's what everyone's been asking for Bobby Lashley to do again. People want the hurt business back. Um, I don't think people want it to go away in the first place, but now it's back. Or excuse me, I think it's gonna be back. And I think that the the they're building to it properly rather than just jumping right away to it. We're getting little building blocks in place. Lastly, Rollins, I think that Rollins, what he is saying is true. He is elevating the United States title. I'm really enjoying what he's doing right now because it's kind of like a hybrid of what he was doing before as a baby face, but with the zaniness of the visionary of whatever he is right now, um, it's, it's a good little mix of like what he was doing before. What he was doing almost before that, because we see see him busting out some of his old moves. He's got the yellow back in his hair. He's kind of like this mixture of all of his characters throughout the past 10 years in WWE. And I like that. We're going to get more to his claim. Uh, We're going to talk more about his claim that he is elevating the United States title and making it the top belt on Monday Night Raw. I want to talk about that later, but let's save it for the main event. So let's move on from this topic a little bit. I'll put a little pin there and we'll unpin it for the main event of the show. That'll probably be in like, I don't know, what time, how many minutes have I been talking here? Almost 10? I don't know, 15 more minutes? 10 more minutes? We'll see when we get there. Next, the OC and Mia Yim were interviewed backstage by Kathy Kelly. AJ says, this feud with Judgment Day... Needs to come to an end, so he officially challenges Finn Balor to a match at Survivor Series. Mia then tells them to keep the beers cold for her in the back while she handles some business in the ring. So we got Mia Yim versus Tamina Snuka with Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio ringside. Mia wins a quick match here with her eat-defeat finisher Rhea then approaches the ring, teases getting in, but eventually backs off. Now, this is going to make even more sense later in the show. I don't want to talk too much about it here, um, but I don't know if Tamina was the right opponent for her here. Um, she had a, Mia had a great night th- this whole night. Uh, used a bunch. She's in multiple different threads of stories going on now. I like everything she's doing. I felt like the backstage with her and the OC showed they've all got chemistry together, and you know, hearing her just kind of have fun and and let loose a little bit, explaining this you know, Korean nickname they gave her, stuff like that. I, I, I'm into it. I, I think it's it's uh, it's showing that she has. Uh, it's showing why Triple H has the faith in her that he does. Um, I just don't know if the Tamina match was exactly what I would have, what was like the best way to showcase her in-ring abilities, just because um, I think you want to get over a couple moves real fast if you're going to do that. And, and I think that Tamina is such a, you know, such a bigger dominating presence that it's hard to kind of just get a few moves over on her real fast. Next, Riddle is backstage playing his bongos and runs into Kathy Kelly he says Elias has agreed to be in a band with him, finally, before their ma- before his match later. And while talking about the match, he gets interrupted by Alpha Academy, Chad Gable, then vows to put Riddle down later. <laughs> I'm someone who loves the Shushes. I'm a big fan of the Shushes. Uh, they crack me up every time. Makes me think of... Uh, makes me think of... Uh, Holly Shore movies. I'm just yeah. I I like the shoosh show when Riddle was doing the bongos thing, and and he's playing the bongos while being shooshed, and they were kind of like doing a jam out to the shooshing. uh, I definitely was entertained by it. I am the target audience because these are the things I find entertaining from a lifetime of watching wrestling. These two guys are both so funny to me, and like we'll get to it in a second but i mean it's it's great to me how multi talented they are uh, before we talk about that cuz I, I have more i want to say on that there's a segment in between uh, that and, and their match and that's mia yim being approached by damage control backstage they say that they have a lot in common with mia you know they they talk about how they you know their whole goals to not be forgotten about they all know what that was like, and now they have the chance to show people why they shouldn't have been forgotten about in the first place. So, they offer her a spot on their team in the War Games match. But she says she has no beef with Bianca and company, so she's going to have to think about it. They tell her the offer will not last long. And then there's a standoff between Mia Yim and EO Sky. Mia Yim, unexpected name thrown into the mix for the War Games match. We had discussed on this show a few different times some of my thoughts. I had mentioned uh, Indy Hartwell, was someone I thought was maybe going to be in the match. Candice LeRae, Becky Lynch, if she was cleared. I talked about Sasha Banks, Naomi. Being again was not someone that I expected, was not the person that I expected. However, Mia Yim rules, and I think she's perfect for this setting. I think Mia Yim uh, fits in with the other team a little bit more anyways. I think that she is going to obviously be playing the babyface role, so it wouldn't have made a ton of sense for her to be on the heel side, but I was just surprised at her kind of being thrown into this. I think that everyone else up to this point who was announced for the match there had been, like, long-running stories to get there, especially since there's only a two-week build. But there had been long, you know, two-week till, you know, they only had a two-week build for the pay-per-view time. And I think that I just wasn't expecting Mia Yim, but I think it's a, nice, uh, it's a nice surprise and definitely not something that I have any... Well, we haven't gotten to Mia Yim being added to the match, but just the fact that she was thrown into the mix here is what I mean. Um, I, I don't got any issue with it. I think that she, uh, I don't have any issue with it. Excuse me. <laughs> I don't got no issue with it. I don't have any issue with it. Um, I think that there's still another week. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all for Mia Yim being involved in more stories on Monday Night Raw. Next, all right, here's the Chad Gable versus Matt Riddle match I was talking about. Uh, I love this man like you know one thing I like about these two guys is I think these two guys are just like perfect for WWE because they're they're multi-talented like I was saying before and they can just they can it's hard to be funny on the mic while also maintaining credibility in the ring and these two guys both do that so well. Matt Riddle can be hitting the bongos and calling it his bong, and you know calling people his best friend and saying stuff that that is just nonsensical. And ultimately, once you put him in that ring, he's still gonna look like a former UFC fighter. He's still gonna look like a guy that could beat the absolute crap out of you. He's still gonna look credible as hell because he is credible as hell. He is such a good wrestler. That guy can have good matches with pretty much anyone, and you see it all the time. He's been proving it for for so long now, and now he's not really doing the arcade bro thing anymore. But he's still being his zany Riddle self. But then he gets in the ring and he just kicks ass. I mean, this is why I thought Riddle was going to be a future world champion in WWE before he'd even been signed to WWE because you can just see it. He's such a character outside of the ring. And then when he's inside the ring, he's an absolute beast—a guy who you can believe would beat Brock Lesnar. And I, you, you could scoff at me saying that all you want, but when I, I when I see this man, he just oozes credibility. And the same goes for Chad Gable, man. Like Chad Gable has had the shorty G stuff, and he's been—you know—he's had things that have made him look silly, and yet he's come back from it all. He's come back from it all, and now he's on the biggest push of his career. He gets weekly screen time. He gets to be his funny self, like a modern day Kurt Angle. He gets to get in the ring and just show his technical prowess. And it's 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 awesome, dude. Like one of the one of the small little, you know, un lesser talked about things of the Triple H era has been the push of Chad Gable and Otis. But Chad Gable especially, man. For so long, we we said that Chad Gable could be the next Kurt Angle. He could be the second coming of Kurt Angle. I don't like to say so-and-so is the next so-and-so, you know. But, but I mean, the, the, the comparisons are there. So funny in backstage segments. So technically sound in the ring. Always has a good match. And I loved it. Uh, I loved it. I mean, there was some cool stuff in this match. Uh, at one point, Riddle got on the top rope gets distracted by Otis, who was messing with the steel steps. And the momentary distraction allowed Gable to run up the ropes and toss Riddle from the top with a suplex. Looked sick. Uh, The finish saw Riddle reverse Gable's chaos theory by slipping out of it, doing like a flip out of it. But then Chad got him in a bridging pin that allowed Otis to hold Gable's feet on the ropes. And this is one of those times where, you know, Nobody lost anything from here. Yeah, Matt Riddle lost the match, but everybody gained from this. Both guys looked good. The match was crisp. The story continues. Everyone wins. Continuing to build the credibility of Gable on TV is awesome. I, 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 I'm i such a big fan of it. Something that I've been wanting to see for a long time, and week to weeks in the Triple H era, we've been seeing that. Next, JBL and Baron Corbin are playing poker Backstage, Tazawa shows up at the table saying he wants to play poker too, but claims he doesn't know how when asked. Alright, we'll get to the, the continuation of that. More to follow, as well as The Miz talking about Johnny Garg talking about Dexter Loomis with Johnny Gargano, Austin Theory, stuff in the main event. But first, here's a quick commercial break. The Miz comes out next in Mr. Rogers attire to explain. His side of the Dexter Loomis situation, Miz reads a statement saying that he regrets paying Dexter Loomis, but all he ever wanted was empathy after 18 years in the business. Poor, poor Miz. He never gets a cheer, never gets a pat on the back. People are never on his side, but Dexter wouldn't stop, and he needed to protect himself, protect himself says he was just telling that reporter what she wanted to hear, just being all Hollywood, and then he starts crying, but gets interrupted by Johnny Gargano, who reminds Miz that he wasn't depressed all weekend like he claimed. He was in Cabo with his wife. Miz questions why Johnny is even sticking his nose in all of this, claiming he's only involved so people will chant his name. The two continue to bicker, over Miz not paying Dexter Loomis until Johnny reveals WWE officials have booked Miz to wrestle Dexter Loomis in two weeks. If Dexter wins, he gets contract and the money he's owed by Miz. Miz has a nice response to that, passionate promo, drops his catchphrase, and Dexter runs him off after revealing himself. I mean, yeah, this all, I mean, I've been waiting for this to happen. I think we have gotten plenty of build up to this match. Like I was saying, even though we only get a two-week build from, I think it was like two weeks in between, you know, PLEs, I think that, oh, look at me saying PLE instead of pay-per-view. I'm getting better. Um, I think because of that, I like that some of these things that Triple H has been some of these stories that have been building in the entire Triple H era are now finally coming to a culmination at Survivor Series. I think this is going to be the finally the end of Dexter Loomis and Miz. Um, I don't think this will necessarily be the end of Damage Control and Bailey. Excuse me, Damage Control and Bianca and her whole team. I don't know if I think... This will be the end of that, but I think we're slowly getting the this. this, We'll definitely get the end of Dexter versus Miz. Uh, I think we'll get the end of Judgment Day versus um, the Judgment Day versus uh, the OC um, and and some other stuff too. So I think we're finally kind of like getting closer to the end on some of these things that have been going. For a good while, so I'm looking forward to this one. I think that man, like Dexter Loomis, has been a figure of Monday Night Raw for months now, and hasn't even wrestled, right? Has he? Or has he even wrestled? I think maybe had that one match. Did it even happen? I'm trying to remember if that match even happened. Hold on, now, I'm, hold on. You guys are gonna be, remember this. Bleah. I talk about this every week, but it wasn't there. Yeah, that's what I thought. He hasn't wrestled on Raw since he came back. I had to double checked that I wasn't wrong. Didn't, I thought he had a match, but it didn't start, right? I think that's what happened. Call me crazy, but I think that's what happened. Oh, I hope I'm right or I'm going to sound so stupid right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he had a match that didn't happen. That's, But like that's a testament to how long the story's been going now. It's been going for months and months. And some of the things did start to bleed into each other. So I do want to see the end of this because I do think it would be good for Dexter Loomis to kind of move on from this and and get a different story. Now, I don't know what the next gradual story would be. Um, We'll have to get there, but I do think this is going to be the end versus, going to be the end of Dexter versus The Miz. Next, we saw Shelton Benjamin backstage earlier in the day. Shelton was asked about Austin theories. Cash in, but Dominic interrupts saying he's been failing since his dad and Annie, Eddie, Eddie. is what happens when I read ahead of myself. I have like little notes here and I read too fast in my head. I can sometimes I sometimes read faster than my words than my lips can say. Shelton was asked about Austin theories, in but Dominic interrupts saying that he that he that Shelton has been failing since his dad and Eddie were running circles around him. Shelton steps up to Dominic, but Damian Priest gets in the way to talk some smack. And Shelton eventually says he accepts Dominic's challenge for later, which wasn't actually a thing that had really happened. But we get the match anyway Dominic Mysterio versus Shelton Benjamin. Shelton used his wrestling knowledge to control almost all of this match, but Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley continued to distract Shelton which allowed Dom to toss him into the turnbuckle, then hit a frog splash. The internet was pretty pissed about this one. I think people are enjoying seeing Shelton Benjamin back on the shows. I saw a lot of people, including myself, uh, saying that Shelton Benjamin needs his Ain't No Stoppin' Me theme music back. Triple H just doling out the the things that people want. People want that Ain't No Stoppin' Me song, classic theme song. I also think it'll it'll pump him up a little more when he's coming out because ain't no one stopping him. <laughs> uh, but also, just I think people were were have been excited to see Shelton back on the shows. I think he's someone who fans have been wanting to see get an actual push of some sort ever since he first got brought back, and we got a little bit of it with the hurt business. But I think people want more, and so I think people are excited to see him being utilized in the Triple H era. But they were not happy about him losing. I saw people mad online, but I think that's the point. (laughs) I think that's the point. They're trying to build up even more heat for Dominic and also show that Shelton Benjamin is missing something. What's that something? The Hurt Business. So more little building blocks being put in place. And as much as I would like to have seen Shelton Benjamin win here, I think overall to serve... A bigger story purpose you can give Dominic Mysterio this win. Austin Theory was interviewed after the break by Kathy Kelly. Finally in a talk here about his failed Money in the Bank cash-in. Austin Theory says that he takes umbrage with the failed cash-in talk, saying that nobody understands him and has no idea what his full story is. Says he was touted to be the next big thing and prove that on and had to prove that on day one, which he did. But the whole world wants to see someone like him fail. But for me, when I think about last Monday, I didn't fail because I feel more alive than I ever have. Theory says that the money in the bank contract was an anchor and they couldn't even penetrate through Roman Reigns' bloodline defense system, so he went. For the next big thing. Now, before we get to the the rest of this, um, let's just talk about that. So, everything he was saying was making perfect sense, totally logical. I think that it's what fans were saying about him. It plays into certain narratives on the internet. Plays into him being kind of uh, pushed heavily by in the Vince McMahon previous regime as the next big thing, as the future star. Um, it kind of erased a lot of those narratives to kind of show that that he is trying to no longer be the future, but to be the present. Not look like this young blue chipper, but look like a man. All those, thing, all those things make sense to me. Talking about how he couldn't get through Roman Reigns. Uh, and the bloodline each time he tried to cash in, totally understand. The only thing that just kind of like still bothers me logical about that is that it still ultimately shows that the character of Austin Theory didn't believe in himself, still didn't believe in himself personally. Because if he did, he could have just booked himself in a match with the Money in the Bank contract. He didn't have to cash in after he doesn't want to do it at Mania. He could have done it in the Survivor Series. He could have done it at literally any pay-per-view and it wouldn't have mattered because he still could have just had a match and seen if he had what it took. Instead, he wanted the, this character wanted the cheater way out and took the dumbest route possible that anyone has ever taken with money in the bank and still failed. So it is charred from it is hard for me to take that character seriously. Uh, for that decision that the character made. However, this night does do a good job of rebuilding that to some degree. I got one minor criticism that we'll get to later. Uh, but Theory says, like I said, that, that the Money in the Bank contract was an anchor, that he went for the next big thing, he couldn't get Roman Reigns. But Dolph Ziggler walks into the shot saying he tried to help Theory months ago, but his ego was too big, and he didn't want to listen. Theory says he's sick of being talked about like a kid. He's not the next big thing, a future star, none of that. He's the present, and then he challenges Dolph Ziggler to a match. After that, we had Io Sky versus Dana Brooke, and this was once again another quick match that saw Io win with her moonsault. Mia comes out after this. Mia Gim comes out after this saying that she's been thinking about their offer, but she already picked her side. And of course, this prompts an entrance from Bianca and company, who stand at her side, making it four-on-four at this point in the show. We got Mia on Team Bianca, and then Team Damage Control with Nikki Cross. First, let's talk about Mia being in the match. I got a little ahead of myself earlier but now that she is with Bianca and company, um, I'm 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 into it. I think that obviously Mia Yim, Bianca, everyone, everyone in this match at this point. They're all NXT people. They've all seen the NXT war games, they've all been a part of the NXT War Games. Um, was Mia Yim in a War Games match? I feel like Mia Yim was. I'm looking now. Yeah, Mia Yim has been. She was on Team Ripley for War Games in 2019. So yeah, all these people have been. It's funny when you look at this Team Ripley for NXT Takeover War Games. It's Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, Io Sky. <laughs> I'm guessing Candice LeRae is going to be the last member of. Team Bianca Belair. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit because there's a... Well, I'll just say it now. There's a There's a segment later in the show where they say that we're, we're Bianca and company are keeping it close to the chest as to who their last and final fifth member is going to be. But, I mean, if we're just looking at the story here, Candice LeRae makes the most sense. She's already got War Games experience with all of these people in a TakeOver match. That was a banger in the past, so it makes all the sense in the world. I also thought it was funny because, um, you know, all these people are just just all NXT people. So I mean, I, I love that we're just getting kind of like an NXT takeover War Games match at Survivor Series with the women. I think that they are gonna have a, a banger of a match, and they're gonna kick things off for Survivor Series War Games. In a big way. Super stoked on that. We'll get to the final member that was announced for Team Damage Control in just a little bit. So back to the Corbin-JBL poker game. Tozawa has now run the table, and it leads to a match being set up for later in the night. But first, we get Austin Theory versus Dolph Ziggler. No cell phone for Theory, just a serious attitude, which he displayed throughout the entire match. Just really, just, it was nice to see Theory turn it up. And that's not like I'm saying he hasn't in the past or didn't already have that ability, but you can tell that he really wants to drive home the fact, and they all want to drive home the fact, that Theory's not a kid, that Theory is not a boy, he's not a blue chipper, he is someone who is a, a lethal competitor, a guy who can kick ass in the ring, a guy who's not Taking shortcuts necessarily, but a guy who wants to beat someone's ass, beat up his competitor, make a name for himself, show people that he wasn't in the position that he was in because only Vince saw it in him. He wants to show everyone that it wasn't just, you know, luck that he had earned that spot he had been given before. And that really came through in this match. Dolph hit a fame-asser at one point, but Theory kicked out and fought back. Dolph hit a zigzag at one point, but kicked out again, prompting a This Is Awesome chant. Ziggler got himself worked up for a sweet chin music, but Theory hit a roaring elbow on him instead, and the A Town down. Rather than pinning him, though, he hit it one more time, then rained down punches and kicks instead of going for the pin. He then slammed Dolph into the ring steps and commentary table. And when he wouldn't stop slamming Dolph's head into the table, Theory got disqualified. Backstage officials run out to get him off. And an angry Theory walked to the back saying he ain't no damn kid. Okay, so I'm going to talk about what I think. And then I'm going to tell you how I've already seen that most people say I'm wrong. (laughs) And I know that. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, um, I am a stubborn man, so I, 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 there's been nothing that's been said that's made me feel like I was wrong here. However, there was a reaction that I heard later that, that did kind of make me think that. But first, let me let me just get this out, because it's my podcast, and I can talk about whatever I want on here. So if, if we're trying to make up for Austin Theory looking like a total dumbass last week by cashing in on the United States champion and then losing, so he just totally wasted his money in the bank opportunity and looked like kind of dumb in the process. You even heard the crowd chanting, that was stupid. It was the biggest criticism afterwards of how stupid it made him look. I would think that if you're trying to show a new attitude to your character, I would think that new attitude should also include winning, Rather than intentionally getting yourself disqualified from a match, you would clearly, you were like seconds away from winning. Why would you intentionally get yourself disqualified from a match that you're about to win just to beat someone up on the outside of the ring? You could win, prove your point that you're a winner, and still prove your point that you're an absolute savage who will take anyone out who stands in your way, or anyone who looks at you like a kid, he still could have done that on Dolph Ziggler after the match, after he beat him, just toss him ringside and still do all of that, and still accomplish every single thing that was accomplished there, but why not just let him win? Why wouldn't winning be important to his character? Winning should be the most important thing for his character. Everyone there should want to win. I realize you're sending a message, and we'll get to that later in the show too at the end, but I just didn't understand why he couldn't still win. Shouldn't, if we're in the rebuilding process of theory, shouldn't that also include winning matches? Call me crazy. Next, in angry damage control, our backstage, as Rhea walks up to offer herself as the final member of their team, at war games, this obviously makes damage control stoked, and we got the final participant. I laughed because a few uh, a month ago, when I had Dakota Kai on Add a character, I asked who her ideal you know guest member would be if if damage control were on were in the war games match and they needed some other superstars on their team. And the person that she picked was Rhea Ripley. Said they'll need some muscle. Rhea's got history. In the war games cage. And what do you know? Now we got Rhea Ripley in the War Games match. Oh man. Alright. This is gonna be good. So team damage control is is Eosky, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and then also Nikki Cross and Rhea Ripley. On the other side, we got Bianca Belair, we got Asuka, we got Alexa Bliss, and we got Mia Yim pretty stoked on this. This is looking good. This is looking good so far. We got one final spot. And like I said, I think Candace LeRae makes the most sense. And then we've got ourselves the makings of a classic WarGames match for the women. Kick things off on the main roster in awesome fashion. I can't wait for this one. Gonna be pumped to watch this match. Next, we had Baron Corbin versus Akira Tozawa. Tozawa got more actual offense in this match than he has in like his entire main roster run, which was nice to see. Corbin eventually won, though, at the end of days. I'm all for Tozawa getting more screen time. Tozawa doing some of his offense at, rather than, you know, trying to fit into a style that isn't his style. Um, just kind of getting to do the moves that he does, uh, doing doing wild senton, doing outside dives, felt like this was kind of the Akira Tazawa that we all know he has inside of him. Not one where he's wearing a karate gi, but one where he's just tearing it up in the ring. So it was cool to see a little glimpse of that Tazawa, and hopefully we see more of it. Honestly, I think, <laughs> oh man. I don't know if people are going to like this, but there was some chemistry there with Tazawa and Corbin and JBL. What if he joined up with them? It'd be fun to have some little comic relief in there. I mean, Corbin's already naturally funny and JBL is too. I could see them having some fun with with Tazawa in their group. Obviously, it could lead to nothing more though, but... I'm I'm interested in the idea of seeing more Tozawa on WWE TV. Let me take a little sip here. I'm not your your uh, your stereo did not go dead for one second. I'm taking a sip of water. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. We'll continue now. I just had to get a swig of water before we go into this final bit of the show. Like I said, Bianca. And her War Games team are interviewed backstage. And they're keeping their fifth member as a secret. Chad Gable then walks into frame to brag about his win earlier. And Rollins is shown walking to the ring for his match. This wasn't anything too important. But I always like when they're able to weave in multiple things at the same time. I think that it makes the show flow better. It feels like there's this um, life to the backstage area and I'm always into just kind of like things all bleeding into each other to feel like a sense of urgency in the show. Next, we had Balor interviewed by Saxton and Gorilla before his match. Balor says, of course, he accepts AJ's challenge earlier, then vows to remind Seth of exactly who he is in their match. That's going to be a banger. That's a guaranteed banger, AJ Styles versus Finn Balor at Survivor Series, can't wait for that, Survivor Series, man, the card for Survivor Series is already good, let me pull this up so I have it in front of me here, so I don't leave any matches out, but we got Survivor Series War Games, so what do we got so far, we got AJ Styles versus Finn Balor, we got Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi, and then we got the Women's War Games match, we also are going to get the men's war games match, looking like it's going to be the Bloodline against Brawling Brutes, Drew McIntyre, and someone else. Good stuff happening here. Um, what else? I'm just trying to look at. What we got. I'm guessing Austin Theory versus Seth Rollins for the U.S. title. Maybe Bobby Lashley to Triple Threat. Maybe. We'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, United States Championship in the main event. I really do respect Triple H for trying to create as much importance around the United States Championship as possible, but it's hard for me to ever put any mid-card title on the same level as the world title. But Seth did say in the beginning that he's making this the top title on the show and i do think they're doing a really good job of pushing it as the top title on the show but could the united states championship ever be viewed at in the same importance as a world championship i don't know you got to do a lot of work and they're, they're 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 working on it we've really seen good matches on tv for the united states championship To show that the wrestlers on Raw all care about the United States Championship. But there are not many people, wrestlers I should say. Most wrestlers don't grow up saying I want to be United States Champion. They grow up saying I want to be World Champion. I want to be WWE Champion. People want to be the Universal Champion. So I don't know. As hard, as, as as much as... You can build up that United States Championship's prestige. I don't know if you can ever build it up to the same prestige that a world title has. And I think ultimately, somehow, some way, don't know how, but somehow, some way, they got to undispute that Universal Championship and get the WWE title back to Monday Night Raw. Because even if all the top competitors are all fighting each other for one thing and it's shown to be the most important title on that brand, I still don't think anyone will look at it as important as a world champion. World champion holds weight. WWE champion has a legacy. Universal champion has prestige to it even if you want to make fun of me for saying that, like there's more prestige to that than saying I'm the United States champion. Even the intercontinental championship, which has been around forever in WWE. Even if you built that up as like the title that the, 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 the boys want the workhorse title, or even as, as prestigious as it was back in the day, it's never going to be more prestigious than the world championship. And that's the intercontinental championship. People love that belt. There's such respect for the Intercontinental Championship. And Gunther's doing a great job of building up the prestige of that belt as it is. And I still don't think you can ever build it past a world championship. So, as much as I appreciate having a top title on the show, something needs to change to get a world title back on Monday Night Raw. Near the end of this match, Seth went for a callback by going for a powerbomb on Finn into the barricade, but Balor reversed out. Seth then avoided a coup de grace. Balor avoided the stomp. Balor reversed a pedigree, but Seth hit a sit-out powerbomb in an awesome sequence. Seth also went for the Phoenix Splash, but Balor moved out of the way. Rollins landed on his feet. And Balor hit him with the shotgun drop kick in the corner. And really the story of this match was a fun one because it was a story of both these guys knowing each other too well in the ring. We talked about their history, but like the the you know, the powerbomb tease on the outside obviously is what injured Finn Balor. Um, there's just a lot there between them. There's history, um and so I thought it was a really good job, kind of playing into all of that and showing that these two guys know each other so well that they're prepared for literally every single thing that the other guy has prepared for them. They literally had to dig into the arsenal, you know. Seth busting out the Phoenix Splash, which is not something he's doing every match. You know, we we got um, both of these guys really digging it out. Cool reversals, lots of interesting callbacks, and good stuff. So I really was enjoying what these two were doing in the match, and it was it was it was cool to see two guys knowing each other so well performing uh, at the level of which they were, and just reversing everything. And it wasn't like a um, you know RVD Jerry Lynn type thing, which is also awesome, but it was more so throughout the entire match where they just had an answer for everything the other guy tried to dish out to them. Judgment Day eventually made their way to ringside and distracted Rollins, making it look like Balor might get the advantage and win, but the OC and Mia Yim ran out to neutralize Dominic, Rhea, and Priest. Balor then went to the top rope for a finisher, but while the ref was looking at Dominic, AJ Styles came out to push Balor off the top rope which allowed Seth Rollins to finally hit the stomp and get the win. Great match. Really enjoyed this one. Uh, Give me more main events like this, and maybe I'll change my mind about looking at the United States title as a world title. Finally, to close the show, show, Austin Theory attacked Rollins from behind after this and hit him with an A-Town down, then continued to beat him up and finally to close the show he took out Rollins with the United States Championship so tell me back to my point on this earlier if Theory is going to come out and do this at the end of the show and he's going to do it to Dolph Ziggler wouldn't it have made more sense for him just to beat Dolph Ziggler too or am I crazy for dwelling on this You tell me what you think. Am I dwelling on this too much? Because everyone on Twitter said, oh, that's not the story. Story is that he didn't care. But why wouldn't his character want to care? His character should care. Why is it okay that his character doesn't care? Isn't he trying to show everyone that he's no longer the future but the present? Well, if you're not the future and you're the present, then you better be winning, buddy. That's how I feel. All right, I am done here. If you made it this far in the podcast, if you listened to me talk to myself for 50 minutes, God bless yourself. I love you so much for sitting here and hearing me work things out in my mind right after I finish watching Monday Night Raw. But if you made it this far, please subscribe to the podcast feed. If you just happen to come across this and you're not already subscribed, hit the subscribe button. And if you enjoyed it enough, hook it up with a rating or a review. The ratings that you can write out are on Apple Podcasts. And then you can, or excuse me, the reviews that you can write out are on Apple Podcasts. The ratings you can also do on Apple Podcasts, but you can do that on Spotify. Hook it up with five stars if you got the time on Spotify. Also, like I said at the top, top dollar on Out of Character this Wednesday. You can find it in this podcast feed, but you can also find it on video on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Premieres Wednesday morning at like 8 or 9. Kind of goes back and forth between the two, but around then, that's where you can check it out. And if you want to know exactly what time, if you want to know when it goes live, the video is uploaded at some point tomorrow, well, Tuesday, at some point on Tuesday, and you can hit that little bell, and it'll notify you once the video is about to premiere Lastly, make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're all across social media, so make sure you go follow us. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another Raw Roundup.